Thanks for joining us on What's My Frame. Today I'm chatting with actress and director Autumn Breeser. Autumn saw her breakout role in 2005 as the quirky, cute, and socially awkward Taylor Townsend on the final two seasons of The O.C. Autumn is also a Hallmark sweetheart, starring in 10 romantic comedies for the network. You might also remember Autumn from her very memorable performance as firecracker Lizzie Grant on HBO's Entourage and scientist Katie Andrew on ABC's New Ordinary Family. Raised in Southern California, Autumn fell in love with acting when she saw her first play at the age of six. She begged her parents to let her audition for a role in her local community theater, where she grew her talent and passion for acting over the next decade of her childhood. At 17, she was accepted to UCLA's prestigious musical theater program, where she spent the next few years immersed in voice, dance, and acting technique. After UCLA, her career quickly progressed to numerous stage productions and guest starring roles on Grounded for Life, Cold Case, and CSI, to name a few. In addition to her film and television career, Autumn, staying true to her musical theater roots, has appeared in numerous cabarets and musicals over the years, most recently making the jump to directing two new musicals in New York and L.A. Please join me in welcoming actress and director Autumn Racer. Hey Autumn, thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame today. Thank you for having me. Alright, so I would love to start out with a little backstory of how you got into acting and the arts. I um, saw my first play when I was about six years old and um, seeing everybody up on stage, there was, it was Cinderella and there were little kids playing um, the mice. And um, I was, it was like an immediate bolt of lightning. Like I want to do that. That's for me. (laughs) Um, So it was, it was really young. The acting bug hit me really young. I don't come from um, an acting family or anything like that. I wasn't pushed into it. I didn't have stage parents. I think they were fairly surprised that I was interested. Um, But I was a big reader even by six and um, continued to be my whole childhood. And I really felt like those two things went hand in hand, reading and entering the imaginary world in your mind and then entering into the imaginary world as an actor using your body as well. I think they're, they're really similar to me. It's just my interest in being a storyteller. So I started in theater when I was seven and pursued that my whole time, uh, my whole childhood until I was 17. And then I went to acting school at UCLA. Now, for a lot of actors, that's a fork in the road. They don't know whether to do education before pursuing work full time. What was important to you to make the choice to go to UCLA before pursuing acting full time? Um, it was not an option for me to pursue it full-time just financially that would not have been possible my family was not in a financial position to be able to support a move to LA and pursuing acting um I was able to go to college through student loans and because I worked um a waitressing gig midnights at Jerry's Famous Deli so I would go to college all day and then for any spending money I would go and um work my waitress job. Like many actors know this path, I think. And so to me, I only applied to UCLA. I couldn't afford to go anywhere else. That just wasn't an option. Um, And luckily they were starting the first musical theater program that year. And um, so I went into that because I wanted training in voice and dance because we hadn't been able to afford any of that either. So um, I was pretty unprepared going in to be in a class with a lot of people who'd been dancing their whole life. And I realized very quickly that that was not going to be a path that was going to be particularly easy for me because I was coming in. I mean, most people start dancing when they're four. I started at 17. (laughs) So it was, um, and I'm so glad that I did because now dance is a major part of 
my life, my fitness life. It's a place that I feel really comfortable because now I've been doing it for over 20 years and I feel at home in dance classes, but certainly did not in the ballet room at 17. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting going back and looking at my diary from that time period, I really was conflicted about staying in school. I don't remember that. Like when I, so it's good that I went and revisited and reminded myself. And I think the things to keep in mind, regardless of what you're pursuing is just do the next right thing. We spend so much energy going, is this the right thing? Is that the right thing? It's like, what's in front of you? Are you happy? How can you make this moment better? And like, that's it because we spend so much time thinking about how it's going to be or how it's got to be or why the current moment doesn't work that we waste our energy. So that's just advice for anybody, regardless of what you're pursuing. And so I wish I had spent a less time angsting over it because it was all going to happen the way it was going to happen anyway. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. I think we all especially in the current climate, need a reminder to take a breath and remember that the steps will come into place as long as you stay a creative, a good person, do good work. Like they will, they will come into place. Yeah. Um, going off of that, I feel actors often get in their own heads. What do you find that helps check the stress and just really ground you prepping before going in the room for the auditions? Um, I wish I had found meditation earlier. I found it about five years ago and it's totally changed my life and how I show up in the world. Um, so I would recommend that. It's really, so many people start and then they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing it wrong. And honestly, it takes a good three, four months a lot of the times until you start to feel the benefits. But if you commit to it, it's just like going to the gym. It's like, it's training for your mind to be able to cultivate the observer quality so that when you're in the room, you're not running this script that we run like, oh my God, do they like me? Blah, 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 blah. We're stuck in our own bullshit, right? Yeah. But if you have an observer quality, you can get up on the balcony and you need that for acting anyway, to be able to be totally immersed in the moment, but still hit your mark. Yeah. Right. And you can't do that without the observer quality. So many people are like, I was so in it. Well, then, you know, you need to work on that. Like you do want to be in it, but you also need to be a technical craftsman as well. And so that would be my main advice to anybody. If you don't meditate, start now. Start with five minutes a day, then move up to 10 minutes, then move up to 20. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a, a great basis to, it's a good foundation to build on. Yeah, and you can start in small increments. It doesn't have to be yeah. perfect zen right off the bat. No, some days you're gonna hate it. You're gonna go, what am I doing? This is terrible. And that's where you're building the muscle. Exactly. Same as in the gym. Yeah, um, exactly. What is some advice that you were given that you wish you didn't take? There was a point early in my career, right when I was coming off of the OC, um, where I thought I was going to go right on to another series that ended up falling through. So I basically had worked for two years really intensely and then was launched back into pilot season. And pilot season is different now, but it was really intense at the time. And it was, you know, two auditions a day. And really, I did not have the creative capability or the physical capability to do that at that time in my life. I really needed a break and I knew it. I knew I needed to take at least just a week off to shake off my old character and to be a human yeah. for a while and just like rest. And I got a lot of pushback from my team at the time saying, you know, it was a lot of scarcity mindset, like, oh my gosh, no, you're going to miss out on all these opportunities. You have to go straight from, you know, 
working, working to getting back into it. And I did, and I really did not have a good pilot season because I was not prepared. Like I was driving to auditions crying and I still didn't stop because I was so used to taking authority and direction from something outside myself Mm -hmm. that I didn't trust myself. And I really look back and I'm like, that was a pivotal moment. And I didn't end up getting a series that year, even though I was technically well positioned to do so, I didn't do my best work because I didn't take care of my inner landscape. Yeah. And you have to start there and we have to trust ourselves. And um, I think so often there's so much of a scarcity mindset in the film industry, like this will never happen again. And I've just (laughs) really having kids made me come to peace with that and just go, yes, it will. (laughs) There's always another chance. What's meant for you will not pass you by. And if you need a break, you need to honor yourself and your inner artist and take the break. Absolutely. You cannot be a, you can't take on other roles when you're not a healthy creative internally. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we push ourselves so hard and it's, um, it's to our detriment. Yeah. Creatives are always creating and ever changing. What is a creative venture or a role that you want to take on in the future? Um, I want to direct a short film. I mean, ideally I want to direct in television as well, but, um, and I've directed for stage over the past couple of years, but um, I want to do a short film. I'm developing one right now. And that's a big goal for me this year. And I'm going to accomplish it this year. Amazing. Now, like you were talking about, you started at seven in musical theater. What advice would you have for younger aspiring actors that are listening and their parents Uh, materials to have in place, things to really honestly think about if you're dedicating more of your after-school hours to the arts or considering actually pursuing it as a career? Yeah, um, I mean, I think I would have different advice depending on where someone lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think I think the one thing that I would caution people against is so many people get really focused on that. I need to get an agent and I want to be auditioning. They get focused on this sort of fame centric mindset that doesn't serve anybody. And I, I think you really need to stay focused on the craft of it and getting in class and building relationships that way and reading books. And you can do that wherever you are in the world. Um, And it's, it's almost twofold. It's like, you need to find out if for sure, if you like this and you're passionate about it before you go pushing your child into auditioning, because that's, that comes with its own set of skills and, uh, downfalls. And, um, I mean, it becomes a job at that point. And a lot of kids are not in a place where they're ready to do that and give up, give up parts of childhood. And so I'm always, cautious about people pushing their kids into it. And, um, I mean, my kids are not, are not in the industry. My, my youngest seems to be interested in music. And so I'm providing him with the opportunities to learn, but not, not pushing him because I don't think that helps. And I feel like I can smell that when people, when kids don't really want to be doing it, or it's just like not for them, but the parents pushing um, and then for, for people who are in their late teens and trying to decide about making the move to LA or not, I mean, I think if you're going to do it, you have to give it a few years because I've, I've sort of counseled people sometimes who are like, well, I think I'm just going to come out for pilot season or I'm just going to blah, blah, blah. And I think that does you a disservice because you put all this pressure that something big has to happen. 
And I feel like you're looking in the wrong direction then. It needs to be about, this is a path, this is a craft that I'm pursuing regardless of external results. We get very, very focused on, it needs to look like this and I need to book this many things and I need to get this many auditions and getting in front of the right people. And um, you're gonna get burnout at that point and you're gonna get disappointed because it does, it's a long game. You have to be willing and ready to play the long game. No, the industry does not work on our clock that we established. No, <laughs> exactly. It never will. <laughs> no. Um, can you walk us through how you like to prepare your materials, be it for an audition or preparing a character on set? I think the different ways that actors prepare is just so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, obviously when you've already booked something, you can get deeper into the character. Um, when When I'm auditioning, there's not that much time to get really deep into preparing a character that's really different for you. So I tend to um, sort of get what the essence of the character is and um, lean into that. My, my big thing is just read it, read it again and again without trying to make decisions until it gets in your bones and you get comfortable with it. It's like the basics of a language. And once you get past that trying, that headspace where you're trying to remember it and you're searching for the words, then you, it's almost like this door opens into this big world of freedom once you don't have to think about the words anymore. I think most actors can identify with this. Um, and so when I'm auditioning, I just try to get it to that place. And sometimes you just don't have time, but you know, I'm at, a, I'm at a place now where I've been doing this for so long, like I can read something three times and have it mostly memorized. So. And that is just through repetition, through having been doing this for 30 odd years. Um, so yeah, read it, read it as much as you can without trying to make choices. Just get it to that place where you can enter that big open room and play. I absolutely love the visuals that you paint. The way, oh good. <laughs> the way that you talk about the craft is just, so beautiful. Years back, you started directing um, for theater. What drew you to that side of the craft? Um, it was interesting. It wasn't something I was in. When I was a kid, I used to write plays and direct them. And um, really, it was just a big playground for me. And then when I started in the industry, mostly what I saw as uh, directors were, um, it was men. You know, up until a few years ago, I'd only ever worked with five female directors. Um, so it just, it's Gina Davis's whole thing. If you can see it, you can be it. I didn't see it. I didn't see women directing. I didn't think of it as a possibility. Um, and also a lot of the types of directors I was working with aren't similar to me. They were very, you know, aggressive. And um, I started working with a director when I was on the OC, Norman Buckley, who had a much gentler approach and we stayed in touch over the years. And um, he's a directing mentor of mine now because he was just um, very knowledgeable, very grounded, very intelligent and calm. And um, when I've been working for the last few years on Hallmark movies and when I'm on those, I have a lot of freedom because I'm leading the cast and um, I started knowing, realizing that I knew more than I thought I did about storytelling and would help set up scenes and make suggestions and change um, lines and really was working hand in hand with the directors until eventually someone said, why aren't you doing this? And it was like, I was like, why, why am I not doing this? 
oh, it just suddenly became a possibility. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had a lot of encouragement and a lot of directors really work with me. And then I shadowed Norman on a freeform show, um, a couple years ago and have started seeing it as a possibility. But until I saw it, until I felt that it could be real, it just, it was like the door was closed. I just never saw that there was a door there. Um, and, and then I started walking through it with directing for stage and, um, I'm hoping to move past that, but you know, it's, it's a, it's again, it's a long road and I'm willing to take the long road. I'm not, I'm not anxious to get anywhere, you know? Yeah. Norman is absolutely lovely. He did the show the other week. Oh, he did? Yes. He is just the kindest spirit. I mean, it's, it's just, it's lovely talking to him about directing and his creative and sweet magnolias. And it was just, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. How does your acting background shape how you direct? Um, I think a lot of directors are afraid of actors and they don't know the language to use. And so sometimes, um, they won't say anything. Whereas I, I feel coming, coming into it as an actor, I know what I like in a director. And so as a director, I try and embody that. And I really view it. It's a collaboration. You know, if you don't like a suggestion that I'm making, don't do it. And I really, I really mean that. It's like, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that my goal is to make my actors shine and to give them any keys that I can possibly see that will help unlock doors for them. And so I go in doing that. And if I give you a key that doesn't fit, throw it away, like really, truly. And so I view the whole thing as a true collaboration. Um, and I really, really enjoy it. It's been such such a gift for the people who've trusted me um with the keys to their projects and um, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of it in the future that's amazing now you're very active in union service something that's really dear to my heart you've served in the past on the local and national SAG afterwards what drew you to union service and supporting actors that way um I was really supportive of the merging of um of after and SAG and UFS was the slate that was really instrumental in pushing that. And so I went to a number of um, rallies when we were trying to merge the unions and I made relationships that way. And, um, and then they asked me to run with them the following year because I had been, because I'd been in the industry for quite a while at that point, I was able to see that it would be very, very beneficial for the memberships of both if they merged. And so um, watching the way UFS sort of drove the ship behind that made me want to get involved. And um, I really liked the people and their integrity. And so um, I ran and um, it was completely eye-opening for somebody. I've never really been in the boardroom or on the business side of anything because I started a career in acting so young. And so much of that feels very... um, isolating in some ways. You're not running a team, you're your own product. And so to get to see the workings of how decisions are made, it was really eye-opening and really intense. Um, and ultimately like it took, it, it was a very deep commitment and, um, I'm so grateful for all of the people who are doing this work for us as actors, because it is not easy. And so um, I feel really grateful to have served and to continue to serve as a delegate. Yeah, there is such a world. I know I just got more involved in union service this past year and it really opened my eyes as to 
so many volunteer positions like yourself. Everyone on the boards are completely volunteer. This is not staff that's in the building. These are actors that are working, that are working for better conditions, better pay. Um, so many game-changing things for our careers five, 10, 20 years down the road. And they're taking time away from their family and their own art to help better serve the creative community as a whole, which is just amazing. So amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you've gotten involved. It's real. I think everybody should, everybody should at least go to some board meetings. Yes. Um, it's incredibly eye-opening, and because I think so many people have a tendency to complain but not do anything about it. We all do, right? And so <laughs> yeah. to push yourself past that discomfort and to go, oh, I'm, I'm complaining about something. Let me go see if I can do anything about it. Let me go hear why things are the way that they are. Let me stand and ask a question. Let me, let me be proactive within this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When my acting mentor, Jason, suggested that I run, I was like, what? That's, it's, <laughs> it's like you're talking about as an actor, you're like, I don't belong there. What can I do? Yeah. And then you learn on the fly and you, you just make yourself a sponge and you get really passionate very quickly about, about what they're working on. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad you got involved. Um, now, you are a mom of two adventurous boys. How do you balance motherhood and your craft and make it look so effortlessly? I mean, like we were talking about, your camping photos are just interest <laughs> envy on Instagram. Yeah, I love camping with them. I love traveling with them. Um, I think, you know, it's something that I've learned. I, my kids are uh, six and almost nine. So I've had almost a decade of, of learning. It was a steep learning curve. And um, so I think the main thing that I've learned is to be where you are. So when I am with my kids, I am 100% with my kids. I don't try and multitask because everything loses then. I think especially as an artist, like it is hard to slip into that creative flow when you have to be in reactive mode with when, when you're with kids, like making sure they're not running into the street or this, that, or the other, you have to be so present within that. So the thing I can say is when you're with your kids, be with your kids. When you're in artist mode, be in artist mode. Yeah. Um, be where you are. And I think that's figuring that out mm -hmm. made me a better mother and it made me a better actor because I had to get honest about what I was capable of fitting into my schedule. And I say no when, like if an audition comes up, for example, if I'm with the kids and it's like 5 PM and I get an audition for the next morning at, you know, 10, I'll pass on it because that is just not healthy for my life. Because then at that point, I'm not going to be present with the kids all night. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go to sleep because they're going to sense that I'm not there with them. Mm -hmm. They're going to be anxious. I'm going to be anxious about, I'm going to be thinking all night. Oh my God, I need to, I need to prepare. I need to prepare. No, I just don't go. I try and reschedule it or I just go, then this is just not for me. Yeah. You know, and be willing, don't have that FOMO thing of, oh my God, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. It will be okay. And it always has been. The crazy thing is every time something like that has happened, it turns out, oh, they didn't find their girl and they opened up another session or they end up canceling the session the next day because somebody's sick. Like, or, or I read it eventually and I go, oh, this was not something I wanted to do anyway, you know? Exactly. So I would just encourage anybody who's a parent to just be where you are to, to ask for help and, um, and to realize you can't do it all and you're, and you're going to be a better parent and a better artist for it. Yeah, I think getting it's, specific. It's exactly like what you were saying. If you are honest with yourself and acknowledge what is for you and what is not, what's for you will never go past you. 
and you'll be yes. much more peace of mind throughout the whole experience. Yeah, and your kids will be happier because when you're with them, you're with them. Exactly. Now, before your breakout role on the OC, you were working in the guest star world. Do you have any advice for actors, this is two-part, um, that are in the guest star space, how to avoid feeling like the new kid at school when joining an established yeah. show for an episode or a few? And then also, second part, how to stay motivated? Because I think as actors, we have kind of conditioned ourselves to this proportionately dissatisfied mindset. You know, we always do want more, which is great. That, that drives us. But sometimes we lose that motivation to keep believing in ourselves that we can achieve more. Yeah. Um, well, one thing is I still work in the guest star space. You know, I, I don't think, um, I don't view it as something separate from being a series regular. And I think that's, that's the piece that I would keep in mind. Like you might be guest starring on somebody's show today, and then they might be guest starring on your show next year. Yeah. Um, and that's something that after 20 years in the business that I really see a lot, like where somebody who guest starred when I was a series regular on a show, now I'm guest starring on theirs. So uh, it's very, I think it, it's useful to think of it in a more fluid way of just acting is acting. And we're all storytellers. We're storytellers embodying stories through our bodies and our voices and our experience. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do that where in by going through whatever doors are open to us. Um, the new kid at school, I feel that every time still. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel that way. So I didn't even, I was like, oh, that's just par for the course. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Yes, it is. Every time you walk, yeah. Every time you walk on, it's, it's something new. Um, so I don't know if you can avoid that. I think that's just, uh, that's how it is. <laughs> that's just um, part of it. Yeah. And just being okay with that and, and learning how to just go up and say hi and meet people. And um, probably the other people are feeling the same way. Yeah, totally. No, just be, be willing, know that everybody feels that way yeah. and it's okay. And then be willing to introduce yourself to people. And I think especially now in the new like world of streaming, the, the hierarchy and the, the stages and levels have really shuffled and become more of a, a, a smoother line, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, we're only ever competing against ourselves, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, how, what, what is my challenge doing this role? What do I want to accomplish for myself as an artist? What am I trying to grow within? What risks am I taking? Yeah. You can ask yourself those questions on any size role. So obviously I want to talk about the OC. You were talking about it earlier. You were on there for two years. It's, it's a cultural phenomenon. It's part of TV history and something I'm sure you're proud to be a part of. What was that experience like is one of your first big roles? I mean, talk about feeling like the new kid at school. I <laughs> came, came on that show when it had already been running for two years and it was hugely popular. So I very much stayed to myself. I was really nervous, not about the acting part of things. Like I rarely get nervous when, when, I get to do what I came there to do, mm -hmm. but definitely like, what are the rules? Who can I talk to? What, what is this, you know, juggernaut that I'm coming into? Um, and also being young at that point too, uh, I definitely felt like the, the odd kid out and I was not as cool. Like they had all of this amazing, but their wardrobes, I just remember showing up and like their clothes were just like their regular everyday. I here I am for rehearsal clothes were amazing. And I had like one pair of sweats, <laughs> but it felt like is like, um, 
Yeah. But ultimately, like I did what I came there to do, which is, you know, act my face off. Um, and I loved my character and the writers really eventually really wrote for me. And that felt amazing. I felt like they leaned into what my strengths were. And, um, and I was really grateful for that because they gave me a platform to shine in and a character to expand into. Um, and so it was, a, it was a, that was a big, a big deal for me. It was a lot of inner growth, a lot of personal growth at that time. We've been talking about you've worked steadily for so many years, a career that so many actors would be very envious of. Um, do you have an acting mentor or someone that's helped shape your perspective on the business and helped you make the choices that you've made? Not particularly. Um, I have a lot of people that I admire and have good relationships with, but I wouldn't say that I have a particular mentor. I do have my manager. I've been with him since the very beginning of my career, Eric Kritzer at Link Entertainment. Um, and he's amazing because he's always, he's been there for me. I mean, he's family at this point. Yeah. Um, and he's helped me make the choices that I've made. And um but definitely as I've been getting more into directing more mentors, I've started to ask for it and look for it and watch people come out of the woodwork. So I'd also say that Cameron Watson is one of my acting directing mentors because he's a director who I worked with on an indie film when I was like about 24 called Our Very Own. And he and I, he runs an acting class that when I'm feeling like rusty that, I, that I'll go to and jump into and do some scene work. And, um, and then he's also mentoring me as a director and we're actually pitching a project together right now. Um, and again, I think the people that I'm drawn to, I'm drawn to mostly because of who they are in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, Cam is another person who has such a, um, an authentic, gentle approach as a director. He makes you feel safe and he's willing to push. Um, but the way that he pushes is so collaborative. Yeah. Um, and those are the people that I'm really finding myself drawn to and realizing that I don't have to um, lean into people that I don't resonate with. I don't have to call them again. I don't have to, you know, and I'll probably never have to work with them again. Um, <laughs> so allowing myself to, to really lean into the, the good people and the people that I resonate with has been something new for me. I'm, I can be a bit of a lone wolf and a bit of like, it's fine. I don't need help. I'll do it myself. But I think yeah. as I've gotten older in the last few years, I've learned to really trust the people that I resonate with and to ask for help. Yeah. All right. Last question that we ask everyone on the podcast. What is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Oh my gosh. Um, trust yourself. Yeah. That's what I wish. Like, take breaks when you need it. Mm -hmm. Um, not to be in a scarcity mindset to, to have an attitude of abundance, to enjoy the journey. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And I'm so excited to see what happens with the short film and just uh, the other elements of your career. It's like really exciting. The way that you talk about the industry and your craft is just so beautiful to listen to. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. This was, this was lovely. And thank you for your union service and for <laughs> making this podcast. Of course. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. And to my guest today, Autumn Leeser. If you're interested in learning more about SAG after union service and ways to volunteer, you can visit uniteforstrength.com or Unite for Strength on Instagram. 
I speak from experience. It's an incredible group of actors that will make you feel welcome and instantly a part of the team. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend. Our goal here at What's My Frame is to encourage, educate, and inspire a creative community. You can also follow us on Instagram at What's My Frame for daily blogs, industry news, and weekly giveaways. I'm Laura Linda Bradley, and this is What's My Frame.